Sales Paradise, episode 33. On today's episode, we have Alex Goldfan, the two-time Wall Street Journal bestselling author. I have asked him back. He has a brand new book that I wanted to kind of go through. It's called Pick Up the Phone and Sell. He is basically letting you know how to maximize this. We're not talking about cold calling. Basically lets you know what all to do beforehand, how many of these to make, when you should use it, when you should not. So stay tuned. All right. Well, welcome back, Alex. Man, it's great to have you back again on the show. Great to talk to you, Chandler. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll tell you, your new book, um, The Pick Up the Phone and Sell, um, it, basically, I think it's, it couldn't be more timely. Um, not only it's needed, but I think there's been a lot of confusion about um, as we get all of this great new technology, which, um, you know, we're, we're both advocates of maximizing, you know, whatever we can there. But I think a lot of people have forgotten the magic of using the phone. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, it's kind of extinct almost, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we have multiple generations of salespeople uh, and business people who don't know how to use the phone. They've, they didn't grow up using the phone and, and there are a lot more, you know, we, we, I'm going to include myself cause I'm a salesperson. And, you know, even though I teach this stuff, it's more comfortable, um, not calling. It's more comfortable emailing. It's more comfortable using social media messages like on LinkedIn. And the reason it's more comfortable is we don't get rejected into our ears when, <laughs> when we send an email, you know, I've sent an email there. I've succeeded. I've done my work. You know, nobody's rejecting me into my ear. You know, what it reminds me of is like in grade school, um, the, the big thing as far as like for elementary kids, like a boy to send a little note to a girl saying, do you like me? Yes, no, maybe. And that way you don't get the rejection face to face. It reminds me of that you know, type of, uh, we're reverting back to that, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Except I think when we're, you know, 10 or 13, it's probably that is probably more effective than email <laughs> because I'll tell you why, because it's going to be the only note like that, that most kids will get that day, that Good week, point. that month. But when we send emails, we're one of a hundred we're one of 200 that day. And, you know, not only are we one of 100 or 200, we voluntarily make ourselves a part of the junk. It becomes our, our communication is, is sort of placed into the garbage, right? The spam filter, the junk folder. And even if it doesn't go there, most of the time, the other person doesn't respond, assuming it's a sales-related communication. Right now, because we're talking about making sales, we're talking about sales growth. Uh, that's what the book is about. That's what my work is about sales growth. So assuming you're making some sort of sales communication to progress your sale, the odds of you getting a reply to an email are somewhere between zero and 5%, <laughs> which means you send your email. We have no idea if the person got it. We have no idea if they saw it. We have no idea if it registered into their brains. We have no idea what they think about it. And so then they don't reply. So now we're wondering, are they mad at me? Um, did I do something wrong? Have we broken up and I don't even know it? And so we have all these problems when we send an email 
But when we don't send an email, we have none of these problems. Well, but so like with obviously there's a lot of things that people can do to improve, you know, their revenue growth or sales. But what, was there like something specific that made you think, okay, look, I've had enough. I've got to write a book about this. Well, you know, I work with sales teams. and I, like, Were you getting feedback or something that said, you know, that you were just thinking, okay, wow, this is a bigger problem than I thought? Or it, it, it's, it's the most effective selling tool. The telephone is the most effective selling tool and nothing is close to it. There is no close second, you know? The, the in-person meeting is the second most effective thing. Uh, but how many people can you meet with in a day, right? How many people can you go and actually spend time with? And especially now in the environment we're in now, there's fewer meetings than in normal times. So uh, the reason I wrote the book is that the phone is the single most effective selling tool and also Chandler, the single most avoided selling tool. It's the most effective and the most avoided because of all the fear that it generates. It's a gigantic threat. So if you want to sell more, the thing to do above and beyond all other things is to make proactive phone calls to your customers and prospects. And that's actually the subtitle of the book. The subtitle of the book is how proactive calls to customers and prospects can double your sales. That's the subtitle. And here I have, I have a media review copy. So it's a paperback, the actual book, oh, is a cool. hardcover, but this is a media review copy, right? So there's the cover. And um, that's the reason I wrote the book because the thing that we can do that will grow our sales the fastest and the easiest and the most is the thing we do the least picking up the phone. Well, so then what have you seen, um, there being certain things that, that, uh, I know that you consult with a lot of different companies, but is there something that, um, uh, you've seen where a rep will go, okay, I'm going to try this. This is what kind of talked me into it. Or is it just more of them looking at the data or are they being, is it more of talking to the sales managers and saying, Hey, let's kind of shift our mindset. Hmm. So I, I think you're asking me, what's the thing that finally gets people to start making some phone calls, right? I right, think yeah. I think that, that that's how I'm hearing your question. That's a much um, better way to um, word it. <laughs> well, no, it's it, it's an interesting question. Um, I think it's a combination of things, and I think uh, perhaps the most powerful shift that occurs is understanding that customers and prospects are actually happy to hear from you when you call. So we, we don't make calls because we assume we're going to upset the customer or the prospect. We're going to annoy them. We're going to bother them. They're going to get mad at us. They're going to yell at us. That's why we avoid. And also, we don't want to be rejected, right? We salespeople uh, are governed by an immense fear of rejection. It's the fear is the strongest emotion out of all emotions. And, and we are in the rejection business, which means we get we fail more than anybody else, right? Um, baseball players go to the Hall of Fame if they fail 70% of the time. So we fail more than that. And so the shift from fear, which is the thing that keeps us from picking up the phone, to understanding that people will be very happy to hear from you, assuming they know you, assuming they recognize you, they know your name. Now, I, I just want to be clear, Chandler, and you and I have talked about this before. When I say uh, call customers and prospects, I, I'm, I, I don't mean cold call. 
right? I mean, call people who would recognize your name, your company. Uh, call people who you know. Now, there is a part of the book on cold calling because we have to um, sort of understand that some salespeople don't have a choice, right? Some salespeople's jobs uh, are strictly to cold call. And there is a section in the book for you on that. Uh, but beyond that, if you've been selling for any amount of time that's over a year or two, we all know lots and lots of people who would recognize us, who know our name, whose name we know, who we can call and say to them something like this, Chandler, it's Alex. How you doing, man? I was thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. I hope the family is good. You know, how are the kids? I know school is starting right when you and I are talking, school's kind of starting up Chandler. So how's that going? Right. What grade are they going into? My kids are going into the seventh grade. Um, they're so happy to be in school, in the class. You catch up a little bit. And then yeah. after that opening, pivot to the business. Listen, man, what are you working on these days that I can help you with? Right. I was thinking about you. What's going on and where can I help? That's your pivot to the business. And you have that conversation. And then you pivot to the sale. You pivot to the end of the conversation and you say, uh, when would you like us to get started on that? Or when would you like to talk again if they're not ready to pull the trigger? That's the conversation. It's a quick conversation. Now, chances are when you make these calls, you're going to be leaving a message, right? They're not going to pick up. You're going to be leaving a voicemail. And so you leave a voicemail and then you send a text to follow up. And we could talk about that process if you want. But uh, statistically, Chandler, we know that if you leave a voice message in the way that I lay it out in the book, and then you send a text in the way that I lay it out in the book. We know statistically over hundreds and uh, hundreds of thousands of these voicemail and text combos that two thirds will get back to two thirds of well, but that's good. But let's back up just real quick then. And let's say, I know in your book, um, you mentioned about the, the effective proactive call is three parts. Mm -hmm. Like what would those three parts be? And is that like the texting? Is that part of it? Or is the texting like something to add on to that? Yeah, the texting is you would send it post voicemail. So so that's okay. if if you if you leave a message and most of the time you will. Um, so so that's where the text comes in. I think every message should be every voicemail should be followed with a text message. And then if you do that, you know, the decision for the customer isn't should I call Chandler back or not? The decision is, should I call him back or text him back? That's the choice now. And that's why two thirds of the people will get back to you. They'll communicate back to you if you do it that way. And two thirds of those will do it by text message. So they, they will choose the text. So that's where proactive phone calls feed the machine. You know, they fill yeah. the pipeline. They fill your calendar. So I run my business. I run a $3 million consulting practice solo by myself. And I run it on three phone calls a day. That's what I do. Three calls a day, right? It's very complicated. Uh, my three <laughs> calls a day are about 800 phone calls in a year. So that's how many calls I make. Uh, most are voicemails. And then I send my text. Two thirds get back to me. So two thirds of 800 is about 550, right? 525, 550. And that's how many conversations I have. And because most of those get back to me by text, I'm filling my calendar. We're just making appointments, right? We're putting calls on the calendar. And that's how it goes. Well, see, I love the fact that you even uh, mentioned your metrics and everything. And I think a lot of people, it's almost like if they're looking at their day and they're thinking, um, okay, like with you, three calls, 
can I make, you know, even if someone has that apprehension or they're, you know, they're nervous about um, how they'll be taken, they're thinking, okay, well, can I make three calls? Yes. You know, and then also I was thinking about when you do leave a voice, if you leave a voice message, how different it is. I know all of us have probably received um, a, an email that you, you could read it probably three or four different ways. You know, it's hard to understand the inflection. You know, it's, it reminds me of like the Seinfeld episode where they're going, um, these pretzels are making me thirsty. You don't know whether someone's upset, you know, um, just kind of saying, hey, these pretzels are making me thirsty. And so, but like a voicemail, they can actually hear your inflection. They can hear that, you know, that kind of what your intent is a little bit better. I was talking to a salesperson uh, probably last year. And she, she says to me, I was interviewing her for a client. And she says, uh, I hate, hate making calls. I hate leaving messages. I hate the phone. And she was a younger salesperson, probably late 20s, early 30s. And, and I said, well, tell me what you leave on the voicemail. I was curious, right? What do you say? <laughs> and she says to me, I tell them to email me. I leave my email address on the voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was funny. That's how much people don't want to talk on the phone, right? They're forced to make a call. They're forced to leave a voice message by their job sort of, you know, requirements. And then when they do leave the message, she leaves her email address and says, email me back. <laughs> <laughs> So we go from the warmer, closer interaction, and we force distance into it and push it to email. <laughs> well, what? Uh, so then, um, as far as like the text and everything, I know that with your your situation, you've have it down as far as you know three calls a day and everything. Um, is there like a you mentioned about the where people can text and everything back? Have you seen that it's either shortened the sales cycle or anything like that because of it? Uh, I think it, the the le so the I think of the phone call as the the tip of the spear. So I, I argue in the book that the call, the proactive call to somebody you know, customer prospect. And the key here is not when nothing is wrong. That to me is the definition of proactive. Yeah. Call them when nothing is wrong. Not when there's a fire. Not when you know you're telling them that you don't have the product. Because think about what when do most people hear from salespeople? They hear from their salesperson when there's a problem, right? Customers yeah. call us when something is wrong and we call them when something is wrong. When nothing is wrong, nobody really talks to each other because there's nothing urgent. It's just quiet. It's just silence. So I say, call them when nothing is wrong and see how they're doing and ask how you can help. And when you do that, you're going to be one of the only ones. So that call is the tip of the spear, I think it should be, in your selling process. It should be the first step. So as far as shortening uh, the, the sales cycle, what it does is it shortens the time to engage the customer prospect, you know? I love it, and, yeah. And truly, to, to start the conversation or to revisit the conversation, whatever you're doing, because you can use that phone call at different parts of the process. For example, you can use a call to follow up on a quote or on a proposal, right? Instead of email, you can make a phone call. Uh, you can use the phone to call an existing customer who's already buying from you, who you're already doing business with, and ask them what else they need. And so that effort is to enlarge the size of the business that you're doing with them. Uh, so there's all different areas. And the thing that it shortens dramatically, night and day, is the amount of time it takes to engage that person and, and get into a meaningful sales interaction with them. Well, yeah, when you really think about it as far as what we all want to do, in sales and or in business is 
we're developing partnerships, relationships, and just like family members, if the only time they heard from us is if there was something going wrong, that's a different relationship than someone that's just kind of touching base, you know, and just like, and then saying, hey, is there anything I can do? I mean, it's a different type of uh, reception that you would get. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's intentional. Uh, and again, we're calling people who we know, calling people who recognize you. Well, one, uh, I've got to um, ask one question. Um, it's it's kind of jumping, but it's like there's one chapter uh, in your book about silence will make you rich. Um, tell me about what that that's referring to. So that's a chapter about how the nervous chatter that we uh, do after asking a question without allowing the customer to think about it and answer it costs us real money. And most people are uncomfortable asking a question, a direct question, like when can I expect the PO, right? And then silence and let the customer <laughs> think about your question and answer it. Or Chandler, who do you know like yourself who I can help the way that I help you? Because I enjoy working with you. I suspect you know other business owners with sales forces who I can help the way that we work together. Uh, who do you know like that? And then I'm intentionally silent and I won't talk again until you talk, Chandler. Now you and I don't work together. That was just an example. Yeah. Uh, but ask the question and then don't talk again until the customer speaks. Don't let nervous chatter get in the way of your sale. And that is where silence uh, will make you rich. I think uh, the, the ballpark amount that we should talk versus the customer should talk is about 25% for us in a sales conversation and about 75% for the customer. Now, is that in, was that in any type of proactive call? Like whether, um, like would there be a difference of whether you're calling just to kind of touch base proactively versus I'm calling, uh, you know, for some other reason? Well, I think if, if it's a sales interaction, where again, the goal is to move, is to push the conversation towards a sale. I think we should be asking questions, listening to the answers, and then digging into the answers and asking follow-up questions. So I think if you're a salesperson and you're talking to a customer or prospect about pushing a sale forward towards a close, it should be 75% them talking, 25% you. And then um, is there, so that's, I think that's a really good guideline, um, whether you're on the phone or even in person, um, you know, like if you're asking even open-ended questions, um, but is there, do you feel like there's a certain amount of calls that someone should do per day? I know you mentioned that you do three for your, you know, your particular business. Is there any kind of magic number that people can kind of cling on to? You know, it's interesting. I just brought the calculator up on our screen. So if you have a you know, three calls a day is about 800, 780 or so in a year. Um, five calls a day is 1300 in a year each, right? Per sales person. So if you're an individual solo salesperson listening to this and you think about, you know, 800 calls in a year or 1300 proactive calls in a year uh, when nothing is wrong to customers and prospects, how can your sales possibly not go up if you do that? Yeah. <laughs> so that's your number. So the book argues three to five a day. That's your number. Um, if you have, I don't know, a sales group of 10 people, right? So let's do, let's do three calls a day. Five days a week is 15. 
52 weeks a year, 780. If you have 10 salespeople, then you need the calculator, right? 7,800 proactive phone calls in a year. Remember, two-thirds will communicate back to you. Two-thirds of 7,800 is 5,200. That's 5,200 actual communication connections that you will have if you have a sales group of 10 people. And by the way, if you're a business owner or an executive listening to this, this isn't, this work is not limited to salespeople. This work can include customer service people. It can include anybody who faces customers. Anybody can make three calls a day. Now, let's talk about when to make the calls, Chandler, if that's okay. Like, oh, yeah, of, beautiful. That's a great segue. What, what, what's the, you know, practically, when should we make the calls? I think it should be first thing in the morning. I think it should be when you get in, uh, you're going to have the most focus and the most energy. And you, you do the uncomfortable task then. Uh, Mark Twain said that if you're going to eat a frog, you may as well eat it first thing in the morning because it's not going to taste any better later in the day. So first thing in the morning, uh, make your calls when you have the most energy. And then it's like working out. You've done the difficult but very productive and useful thing. And so by 9 o'clock, you're done. Remember, this is going to take you five minutes on most days because the other person ain't picking up. So you're going to leave some voicemails. You're going to send some text messages and you're done. You've done the proactive work. And then what will happen is later that day, one of them will get back to you. And the next day, one of them will get back to you. And then you stack these days together, right? And so now throughout all the days, I've got people returning my communication. It feeds the machine. Well, you know, one other thing I think a lot of people forget about, too, as far as as you're feeding that machine, those people getting back to you are all also like potential people that can give you referrals or whether it's a testimonial or something that helps you gain other business, um, plus securing the business that you already have. Only good things happen when we're proactively present. Only good things. Nothing bad will happen when you show up in front of a customer and prospect on the phone and say to them, I was thinking about you. How you doing? How's your family? Where can I help? Because I'd like to help you. You know, I work with salespeople all the time. I'm in rooms with salespeople all the time. And I almost never use the word sell or sale. Uh, I use, I, I almost never say it. Uh, what I say all the time, you know, a dozen times a day instead of sell is the word help. We're just helping people. And everybody wants to be helped. Everybody wants to be helped. Nobody, I've never heard, you know, out of, out of millions of communications over the years, I've been doing this for 15 years, out of millions of communications tracked, because we track them, we record them, they go into a, into a log, out of millions of total communications. Chandler, nobody has ever said, not <laughs> once has it been recorded that somebody said, no, I'd rather you not make my life easier today. That's never been said. People want <laughs> to be helped and nobody shows up to help them. You know, we think their phones are ringing off the hook. No, they're not ringing off the hook. Uh, nobody's calling. When you call, you're going to be the only one. You're going to be the only one. That's junk crap coming in. You know, there's buy a warranty for your car garbage coming in, but that's the same as spam. That ain't you. As far as people who they know, people who they recognize, people they have some sort of relationship with, 
those people aren't calling. You're going to be the only one. Yeah, they're they're likely to even move their schedule around just to talk to someone that, like you said, that they know and recognize. Yeah. What? Um. So we've got. Um. You mentioned about obviously with the the numbers. Um. You, we can kind of pick that. I mean, anyone can basically analyze that and say that you know, with those type of numbers that you mentioned, positive things going to happen. Um. Is there anything else like from the book that you'd like to say? Because I think that a lot of people. This should kind of, uh, it, it's probably going to be one of these things that they've kind of knew was true, but yet this is a great reminder for them. But if not, um, you know, this, if, if they didn't know that, I think this should, you know, read the book, let them know, um, you know, different things about it. But like, what are some things about the book that you think, okay, we didn't talk about today, but you'd want to make sure that they know is in there? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that question. You know, I think it's, uh, it's script heavy. Um, so there, there's a lot of, uh, guidance on, on what you can say, you know, and how you can say it. You certainly don't have to do it my way, but if you're not sure what to say, you can start with the language in the book. And then you, uh, you know, uh, as soon, the sooner it becomes your language instead of my language, the more effective this will be for you. But, uh, it certainly gives you a starting point. Um, that would be the first thing I'd be interested in sharing. The second thing I'd like to share is that, uh, as you alluded to just now, Chandler, this is incredibly simple, uh, and, and common sense, um, activity. So th these are things that indeed you already know. Uh, and so everybody knows that a phone call is more effective than an email, you know, and yet we email. And so knowing what to do is different than actually doing it. And in sales, in our work, Unfortunately, it doesn't really matter what we know. It only matters what we do. The knowing doesn't make us any money. So it doesn't matter if you know it. <laughs> it only matters if you do it. And, you know, for us, the thing that keeps us from doing what we know we should do is fear. Fear is the thing. We talked about it. Fear of rejection, fear of making the customer mad, fear of losing the customer. So... Uh, what's in the book is incredibly practical. And when you read it, you're going to be thinking, well, duh. And, and, and so I'm suggesting to you, I know, you know, of course, you know, I know, you know, now let's go do it. Let's go make three calls a day. That's the work. And, you know, I would even add one thing to the, um, as far as the reasons that why we sent many times, even myself, don't pick up the phone. It's not, even if you're not a lazy person overall, but some of it comes down to, I think, sometimes the fear of it or the fear of how someone would respond, it kind of seeps into think I get lazy about that particular task, you know. And, and so I think sometimes it's just a matter of putting it on your agenda and doing it. Like you said, first thing in the morning, you get it out of the way, you eat that frog. Yeah. The, the fear is automatic. It's, it's instantaneous and it happens so quickly that often we don't even know it's there. You yeah, know, it happens not, not in milliseconds, but in microseconds. And it, it's so fast and so powerful that we don't even notice it. It's just, it's automatic. It's automatic thinking. And it, it really does keep us from doing the work. And you, you use the word lazy. Uh, and so we, we might interpret it that way because we're procrastinating on it, right? And the reason we're procrastinating is fear. It's not laziness. It's discomfort. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's stress and anxiety and discomfort often that we're not even aware of, but that's what keeps you from doing that. 
And so one of the ways of dealing with it is to just understand it, right? We're talking about it now. So just sort of, you, you know, just knowing awareness, they say, right, is, is the first step. But another way of dealing with it, really, is just to make the first phone call. Just make the first one. That's why first thing in the morning is great, because it might get good to you. And before you know it, you've made 12. You know? <laughs> um, the first call, the, the first actual conversation that you have is going to give you um, energy and enthusiasm. It's going to give you confidence. And it, it's, it's going to give you positivity. And it's, it really will give you the energy to make the next call. So often for my clients, the first call is the answer. Well, I tell you, anyone listening, right when this um, podcast is over, make a call right then. <laughs> That's right. Take the first action. And, and I tell you, too, we could even have another um, podcast later on this. But like at the end of the book, you do go into like for the people that have to do true code calling, you know, and with the phone. Um, one thing I like how you not only you you go into that and how you can make the best of that. But you also mentioned about there are no code calls, um, truly, because there, you give some really good techniques about, you know, whether it's through LinkedIn or whatever, to pretty much make it to where it's not a flat code call. Well, there's uh, things that we all have in common that I think one of the chapters is called there are no cold calls, right? Because, you know, cold means, uh, one, we don't know each other. And and the customer doesn't recognize your name or your company name or any other customers that you've worked with. Cause we can use all three of those things. My name, my company's name, my other customers. We can use all three of those things to warm up a call. But assuming you, you have none of that, you do have other things in common. And this is a fact, right? You can say, well, how do you know that Alex? It's a fact, ready? <laughs> we have the pandemic in common. We're all living through it. We're all living through this thing. So that's something we can talk about. You know, I think the first time you and I talked, we talked about the pandemic for 20 minutes. You know, we <laughs> talked about air travel and how difficult it is right now. We talked about the kids and how they're dealing with it. So if you're listening right now and we don't know each other, I could talk with you about the pandemic just by asking questions and sharing my experiences uh, for a half hour if we wanted to. So, you know, to that end, that's a gigantic thing we have in common that we could easily talk about to warm up that call. Yeah, it's just a matter of, um, you know, basically uh, searching for those things, you know, and, and whether, like you say, even when the pandemic's over on LinkedIn, I'm sure that there's something that you can find that you have in common. Yeah, but, yeah, totally agree. Well, well great to have you on. Um, really appreciate you coming back on the show and talking about uh, this because the Code calling, I think, uh, not code calling, but the phone calls are something that's relevant to every single sales rep, even you know, whether you're in medical sales, whether you're you know, the software salesperson working you know, in the office, um, this is relevant. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it uh, greatly, and it's, it's always great to talk with you. All right. Well, thanks so much to Alex Goldfan for joining us today. And go ahead and go on over to salesparadise.com. Check out those show notes. And until next time, enjoy the journey.